Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who do you think is the greatest king who ever lived? Well, Jesus, of course, you'd say. Well, you'd be right. Uh, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. He's a king like no other, but that really means he's an entirely different category of king. He's the king of kings, a heavenly king. His kingdom is not of this world. During his short time uh, of living visibly on this earth, he didn't wear a crown. He didn't work a government job. He didn't spend much time dealing with politics. So what about the kings of this world? Who do you think is the the greatest, and why? Maybe you think of someone like King David, a man after God's own heart. Or maybe you think of some of the the mighty and and powerful rulers of other nations. King Nebuchadnezzar, in a lot of ways he was a bad guy, but he built one of the world's most magnificent empires with his bare hands. Or maybe you think of someone like King Richard the Lionhearted, that brave warrior king of England, or King Louis XIV, the Sun King of of France. Uh, Maybe you think outside the box a little bit, and you think of someone like George Washington, who wasn't a a king, didn't carry that title, but as our nation's first president, he sure was important, had a big effect on, on us and on our world. All of these different people, they have things about them that make them great, make them praiseworthy. Uh, Interestingly, sometimes bad people make for great kings, and good people make for bad kings. Herod the Great, he was an awful man. He was uh, paranoid and murderous, even killed some of his own sons, but he's still called Herod the Great. Why? Well, for all of his many bad qualities, he did have a few good ones. He was a political mastermind and a brilliant architect. So, Herod the Great it is. Jesus, when you think about it, is, is pretty different from all of these kings. He, he, he didn't rule over a, a nation. He had no armies to fight for him. He, he didn't wear a crown. He didn't have lords kissing his ring. He didn't live in a palace with all kinds of opulent wealth. Really, he looked a lot more like a peasant than like a king. So then why is it that the crowds praised him as a king when he entered Jerusalem? Why did they worship him and say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord? It was the beginning of Passover week. Passover was the annual festival of the Jews where they remembered God's deliverance, especially how he had brought them out of Egypt. It was one of the most important festivals of their year, and people traveled to Jerusalem from all over for it. Jesus went too, even though some people thought that he wouldn't dare. You see, it was public knowledge at this time that the the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, wanted Jesus arrested. And that would seem like a pretty good reason to stay away from Jerusalem, but Jesus wouldn't be kept away. Instead, he traveled there, as usual, uh, along with the crowds, teaching and healing people the whole way. 
The day that Jesus arrived at Jerusalem was the first big day of the Passover week. It was the 10th day of the month, which actually lines up with our calendar days this year. And on that day, according to Exodus 12, that was the day that they chose the Passover lamb. Passover was always a special time of year uh, for all those, those travelers. I imagine it was normal for them to be in a, a festive mood when they reached Jerusalem. But this, this time was different. Even Jesus did something unusual. He always traveled everywhere he went on foot, but this time, when he reached the outskirts of the city, he sent his disciples to go get a donkey, a donkey colt that he could ride on. And it's, it's fascinating to read how this, this procession just came together. Jesus didn't command the people to follow him or, or to praise him. He didn't order them to throw their cloaks on the ground so that he could ride over them or wave palm branches. It all just, just happened. As he rode toward the city of David, the whole crowd gathered around him in a great procession, and they started to joyfully shout and sing. They said, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The king who comes in the name of the Lord. Where did they get that idea? Jesus didn't seem much like a, a king. Can you imagine gentle Jesus donning a, a suit of armor to lead an army? Can you imagine humble Jesus putting on a, a golden crown and having people kiss his ring? Can you imagine the, the Jesus who was so concerned about people's souls leaving that behind to focus on public policy that governs people's bodies. What were people thinking when they praised him as a king? Well, there's, there's two possibilities. One is that it was wishful thinking. Here at the Passover, they were thinking about how the great prophet Moses led them out of captivity to Egypt. Maybe. Might the the great prophet Jesus lead them out of captivity to Rome? These people hadn't seen Jesus don a suit of armor to lead an army, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't. And if he, even if he couldn't, certainly his followers, they were zealous enough to fight for him. Of course, if that's what people were hoping for, well, then they were wrong. Jesus wasn't there to establish a new earthly kingdom of Israel. He wasn't there to overthrow the government. Even Pontius Pilate knew that it was a, a bald-faced lie that Jesus had any ambitions to set up a, a government in opposition to Caesar. But I think it would be pretty cynical to assume that everyone who was praising Jesus was doing so for the wrong reasons. If that were the case, then why wouldn't Jesus have silenced them? So what's the other reason that people could have been singing his praises? Well, it's because they saw in Jesus the heavenly king proclaimed by Scripture. He's the one of whom the prophet Zechariah wrote, Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and bringing salvation. These disciples who were living through these things as they happened, they didn't know how it was all going to work out, just like we don't know every direction our lives are going to take. But they didn't need to see Jesus wearing a crown or hear a, a command to bow before him 
to see the works that he had done, to hear the gospel he proclaimed, and to confess with joy that this man can be no other than the very Son of God, the Messiah, the promised King of Israel. Of course, not everyone was happy about this. There were Pharisees in the crowd who complained. Teacher, rebuke your disciples, they said. They, they knew what it was that these people were saying about Jesus. And they, they thought, this, this is going too far. But Jesus told them, I tell you, if these people would be silent, the stones would cry out. I imagine the Pharisees weren't too satisfied by this statement. If I said something like that, that would sound pretty boastful. Even the, the greatest kings of, of this earth, even for them, no stones are going to cry out with their praises. It doesn't matter how good David is or how mighty Nebuchadnezzar is or whether or not the world considers Herod great. In the end, these men are just men. But when Jesus says the stones would cry out, do you believe him? Jesus must be worshipped. He must be praised. This isn't because he demands praise. It's because he's God. He created those stones over which he was riding. And not just the stones, but the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The praises that people in this world receive from others, it's a privilege sometimes earned and sometimes not, but every knee must bow before the God of all creation. Too often we forget that. The world that we live in views worshiping Jesus as optional, one of many. Uh, many uh, much of this world views it as a, a negative thing, a, a bad thing. It, it outright hates the Christian church. Or, or what it loves is a milk-toast Christianity. That is to say, a, a Christianity with no convictions at all, where truth is subjective and tolerance reigns in the place of real sacrificial love. And we, too, at times forget that Jesus is the Lord who rules all things, who must be worshipped. And if we don't worship him, he won't be forgotten. The stones themselves will cry out, we will be the ones who are lost. Yet Jesus doesn't ride into Jerusalem amid the, the praises of all creation to take up the power that is rightly his as God and Lord. Instead, he rides into that city in humility. While his lowly disciples give their best praises to his name with his goal, our salvation. And so we see this wonder. Jesus must be praised as king of kings, but this is not for his benefit, as if he needs us in any way. No, this is for our benefit. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which 
we must be saved. This Lamb of God rides into Jerusalem to do battle on our behalf. He will wear not a suit of armor, but a crown of thorns. He heads not to a throne, but to a cross. As our king, he fights for us. He defeats and destroys our enemies. He defends us from danger. He lives and rules over all things. He will come again to be our judge. The stones do cry out. Nature proclaims the wonders of God. And we ourselves had hearts of stone, hardened by sin, dead in unbelief. But our hearts of stone have been made new, given life by our glorious King of Kings. As the living stones of his temple, let us sing his praises. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.